Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded and IoT franchises. Here with my uh, partner in crime, Brandon Lewis, who's the uh, Embedded Computing Design Technology Editor. Good afternoon, Brandon. How are you? Doing all right. How about you, Rich? Doing okay. Doing okay. It was a long day, but I won't, I won't go into that. Um, we are here this week to talk about automotive technologies. I think we're going to go down, I think we'll steer down the path of ADAS. Um, and in so doing, we've brought in a special guest, somebody who uh, we regularly hook up at CES, um, and that is John Busek, and he's a Senior Manager for ADAS at Renaissance. Good afternoon, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So we met at CES, and uh, I don't want to sound like a complainer, but you guys were way out in the parking lot somewhere, and it was like 30 degrees, and it was dark out. Um, but it was, it was worth my while to walk all the way over there in the cold. Um, and we went for a ride in your autonomous vehicle, and uh, I thought it was very cool. Um, you know, I think we still have some ways to go before it's ready for prime time. But um, I was very impressed with the things that you guys were showing there. So what is like the state of the art that we, we were showing, and where do we still have to go? Well, hold on, Rich. Can I inter interrupt really quick? You mean autonomous, like fully autonomous driving itself? Yeah, that's what he, what he was showing. And I've got to tell you, um, it's, it's a little freaky to see the wheel turning by itself. Um, and I, I actually said that to John while we were doing this. I said, you know, doesn't that bother you? And his comment was that uh, after a while you get used to it. Um, so I know I'm speaking for you, John. Um, is, is, is that true? Do you get used to it? Yeah, you do. I mean, one thing you've got to be careful with is when you're in a development car like that is you've got to remember that uh, you can't get too used to it. You know, the reason I was in the driver's seat is because it's, even though we've tested that thing so many times, um, you know, you never know when something could happen. So, Someone needed to be there to uh, touch the brake if it, uh, it was necessary. But, um, yeah, after a while, um, when the car just keeps doing everything it's supposed to correctly, you can get uh, certainly comfortable uh, letting it take you around. So where do we have to go with, with respect to autonomous driving? You know, what are some of the issues that still have to be resolved? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of issues, and, you know, there's so many, it's hard for us to pick which ones that we want to focus on um, at Renesis. Um, but the ones that we do, um, the ones that uh, I think um, are quite challenging would be around, um, I'd say, safety and security. Um, also, uh, power consumption. You know, we're bringing more processing to the car than has ever been there before. Um, and, like, orders of magnitude more. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy before ADAS who worked in... Uh, in um, powertrain areas where we have just little, little microcontrollers that are doing great things, um, but compared to the, the processing power you need in ADAS and computer vision, it's, it's nothing. And uh, with all this increase in technology, you know, we have to uh, keep the power consumption down. We can't go, we can't go crazy with it. You know, it's a, in a bad electric vehicle, it could potentially affect uh, economy. And then, um, you know, also these big processors generate a lot of heat. And, um, you know, we don't want the car makers to have to uh, create a lot of expense having to remove that heat from these uh, computation units. So, John, you know, when you're talking about adding more horsepower, there are some other chip vendors out there that are in the same uh, arena uh, with autonomous driving. They're using, you know, 
data center scale processors to do some of this ADAS because you have to be able to do sensor fusion from things like LIDAR, radar, et cetera. What type of processing power are you talking here? Well, I think when you get into the actual uh, performance numbers, those are ones we like to be uh, careful with just because it is quite competitive. Um, but I can tell you that at, at, in the demo at CES, in terms of power consumption, um, all the processors that were there that were running that not only enabled the car to move and do the things you saw, but to do it safely. You know, you've got to have a lot of backup processing as well in order to say to yourself, hey, if there was any, you know, single point failure or if I wanted, you know, some level of fault tolerance where the car could just keep going and pull over safely, you need a lot of redundancy. And uh, with all those chips that we had running, uh, we were at about 30 watts of uh, processing power um, in the car. And, um, you know, from my perspective, that's, uh, that's a pretty good mark to have started with. We'll keep certainly trying to improve it, uh, but we were happy with uh, what we were able to get to uh, for CES this year. Would you so are you talking that? about a – sorry, Richard. So are you talking about, John, like a, a rack <laughs> of computation sitting, uh, you know, in the trunk somewhere today, or are we talking about shrinking down uh, form factors to be able to actually fit into an automotive, uh, you know, grade package? Oh, yeah. In the end, you're going to have to reach those automotive-grade form factors. I mean, you might have modules that are a little bit bigger than what you'd see for an energy controller or an ABS system controller. Um, but I, I think that, you know, you're certainly not going to see gigantic, like, racks, like, full of servers. Um, you might see that in some development cars today just because the engineers working on those cars are just trying to get baseline functionality from the system, and, and they're, think, they're thinking to themselves, hey, we'll worry about form factor, power consumption, safety. We'll worry about that, you know, once we've at least figured out just the basics of the functions that are necessary. Sorry for cutting you off, Rich. That's quite all right. You had said 30 watts of processing power. Are you, are you referring to 30 watts worth of processing power and then all the other stuff that goes with that? Are you talking about 30 watts total? To run the system, 30, 30 watts of processing power. So the the Renesis chips were running. Uh, if you add them up all, all the chips we had that were running, we were uh, running uh, continuously at about 30 watts. Okay, but that's not really a fair number because you have to look at the total system power. That's true. The reason I mentioned that number is because you know automotive engineers that have to uh, design systems. Um, they're going to be looking at the power consumption of many different electronic components in that box or module. And the ones that they'll be certainly concerned with are the processors. Um, and so they're going to want to know, hey, if I want to run these types of algorithms um, with this type of redundancy, you know, how much power is your chip on its own going to add to the system? And that's, that's why we point that out. Okay, that's fair. That probably would be a, a bulk of the power. Yeah. You know, John, another question I have is right now ADAS technology is kind of a potpourri of, of different other technologies, you know, sensor-based things, uh, even V2X at some, at some, uh, in some cases. Do we need all of them? I mean, you're talking about adding significant costs, especially if you look at, you know, the um, – what was the, the, the Faraday car that was uh, announced at this past CES? It has $30,000 worth of LiDAR in it. Uh, do we need to have all of these different sensors? Um, I believe that when you move into the, the levels of autonomous driving where, you know, you could take a nap behind the wheel 
I think having um, this much redundancy in terms of sensor types, where it's radars, it's lidars, it's cameras, it's, um, it's V2X, I, I think that is necessary. Um, you know, it's really hard for OEMs to, to really look at the safety case and think about every single scenario the car could be in, but they have to. And I think what you find is that having more and more sensor types just makes the car more robust about different conditions, whether a sensor has failed, whether um, you're in a certain, uh, you know, weather environment, um, or just some type of driving condition. Um, you know, I think you just, you're, you're going to make the car able to handle more situations with more different types of sensors that are working together. And, and you know, you mentioned really expensive LIDARs, and I, I think that falls in the category also of when you see big server racks in the trunks of autonomous cars. Um, you know, we didn't have that necessarily in our car because we decided to, you know, put a focus into, hey, let's have a more of a production-grade um, feel and, and address that challenge. Um, but a lot of times if you see those server racks or if you see those expensive LIDARs, it's just because they've decided to use that LIDAR um, and address a different challenge, and, and maybe an, an automaker is going to move to a, a lower-cost LIDAR um, at a later date. Um, and I think, you know, for all these sensors, we're certainly going to have to um, challenge uh, the different uh, sensor vendors that are out there to come up with technology that can integrate a little bit better into the car. Um, and, you know, depending on where the market goes, I'm sure they'll be able to do that. Great. How far, how far out until we start seeing some of this stuff actually on the road? Loaded question. Yeah, no, I, well, I mean, some of it's already out there. I mean, you've seen uh, what, what Tesla has. Um, you've seen uh, Uber, right, what they're able to do. with. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's an engineer behind the wheel, but this car is still doing pretty incredible things. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I think it will certainly be baby steps um, in terms of OEMs introducing um, increasing levels of autonomous driving um, functionality um, throughout uh, the, the years, maybe it's 10, 15 years. Um, I think that the next phase or next wave of autonomous driving will certainly be systems that can do a lot of amazing things in terms of, you know, uh, being able to control the car completely on its own, but the driver is going to be expected to take over in the case of some type of failure. Um, how far away until the driver is not expected to take over? Um, you know, that's, that's very hard to say. My personal opinion, I think you're looking at end of the 2020s, end of the 2030s, but that is, that's certainly uh, just an educated guess. I, you know, it's really, really hard to say um, because um, there's certainly a lot of challenges that need to be solved before um, that, day, uh, that day will come. Sounds like we're on the edge of SAE level three and four right now, kind of. Yeah, level three, I think so. Um, level four is where it's challenging. I mean, you just, at the moment, you need a lot of redundancy. Uh, we just have to keep finding ways to optimize the system to get a tighter integration. And that's, you know, one of the things that uh, my engineering team, we certainly focus on is, hey, you know, how do we achieve safety? Um, how do we achieve fault tolerance to be state of the art? Um, and it's, you know, it's up there with all the other challenges, computer vision, all the other things that you hear. Um, but I think uh, you certainly have an amazing community of engineers out there all over the world that are, that are working hard to make it happen. Okay, before we wrap up, you just said one thing that I'd, I'd like to ask about. For those of us who are, are not as informed, what is the status of that Uber trial? Are you, are you aware of that? Uh, no, actually, I, 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 I filed a little bit. I, I'm so busy with, <laughs> with my own work and then uh, uh, playing with my kids. I'll tell you, after CS, I took a week off and I can barely walk because my son's jumping on my back for, 
for seven straight days. Uh, but I, it's hard for me to, to find times to uh, follow the news. Um, and when I do, you know, read about something like Uber, Uber, it's more just, you know, what type of technology are they showing? What are the things they're doing with the car? Um, and I must say I'm, I'm quite impressed at, at uh, the level of technology they're able to show um, in their cars. I can tell you something, Rich, that uh, out here in Phoenix, we just got a fleet of those uh, autonomous Uber cars because California didn't want them anymore. So maybe at a, in an episode a month or two from now, I can give you a little bit of an update on that. That would be wonderful. Okay, I think we'll put a wrap on uh, this week's podcast that we're calling Podcast with the Embedded Experts. That would be you and me, Brandon. Uh, it would? Okay. It would. <laughs> and I'd like to thank John for taking the time out to, uh, to join us. Thank you, John. Yeah, thanks, John. Thank you, Rich. All right, have a great day. You too.